0: In Romans to chapter is one. This month's theme is we're talking about evolving in the gospel. But in Romans chapter one, at verse number, at verse number sixteen, very very familiar passage. Paul writes. He writes to that church at Rome because he. Uh, He wants to come and spend some time with with them. But because he has been out traveling and he has been evangelized and he's never had a chance to come and have fruit amongst the church at Rome. And and Paul's Paul's desire is to have fruit among them. And he wants to give some type of spiritual gift to them as well. He's saying, I want us to, I want us to have fellowship. And because, because my duties have kept me away. He says, now some of that stuff is, is coming to a close. And now it's time that I can, I can come your way. And he says, but as I come and as I get there. I want you to understand something that is native to me, something that means a lot to me. And he makes he makes a declaration in comparison to the time. And he says at verse number 16, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ (laughs) thank you Braylon for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth he says to everyone that believeth to every one that believeth to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. He says he closes it off by by referencing Habakkuk too, but he says
1: that the just
0: shall live by faith. Is that in your Bibles? But he says to everyone that believeth, you may be seated in the house of God. <sighs> I don't want to do this with man. I don't, I don't. But when Paul when Paul speaks and he says, I'm not ashamed, what hit me was why in the world would you be ashamed? What, what about the gospel would make you, as an apostle, ashamed? Why? Now, 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 he wouldn't make that statement today, not from the same context, because today we have learned about the power of the gospel, the transformative power of the word of God. We understand it now, but why would Paul say it then? Well, to to hasten quickly to the point the church the church during this time was in its infancy the church was it was just starting off things were were just being established the holy spirit had come in acts chapter 2 and we we read all of luke's writing well part of what luke covers is what Paul is now getting ready to talk about in Romans chapter 1. And, and, and what's being stressed is the fact that since the church is in her infancy period, it comes at a time in which the world was not ready and did not care about Christianity. Most, most of the people who embraced this new religion of Christianity, these folk were poor. They didn't have a whole lot. They they didn't have notoriety in their name. They weren't well known. Matter of fact, because they were on the bottom end of the social spectrum, because they didn't have a whole lot, People who already had some stuff looked at those folk that didn't have no stuff and, and those folk who didn't have stuff they were made a mockery of. People who were already low down and destitute who didn't have a lot of stuff going for them in their own name, they embraced this new religion of Christianity so much so that those that already had some stuff Laughed at them because now you finally think you got something, but it really ain't about nothing. It's sort of like it's sort of like uh, uh, having your family being given the last of the stuff. And and in the big house. They eating good. You see, see at the big house. They're having roast. They made ribs, <laughs> and and down off in the shack, they were given chitterlings. They wouldn't eat it up top, but they had to learn to enjoy it at the bottom. And because folk at the top wouldn't eat that stuff, and folk folk at the top did not not live like folk at the bottom. When folk at the bottom finally embraced something, folk at the top thought it was just, it ain't nothing to it. The same sort of mentality took place in the receiving of the gospel. So Paul, Paul picks up his pen of inspiration and he says, though, I know you ain't got a whole lot going for you. And I know folk laughing and talking about you. And I know, I know you may not mean a lot in their eyesight. He says, I'm with you. And he says, since I'm with you, I want you to know something. He says, though, though I'm an apostle, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Does that make sense? Yeah, Tim, we're not going to hit it. We're not even going to get to it. But, but I want to read something to you. And it, it just... It, It made me uncomfortable, but this is by a man named Charles Ball. Charles Ball was a, he was a show-enough slave. And and what happened was uh, some folk caught hold to him and he laid his story out. And it wasn't just him. There were, there were many others that I, that I read, but I wanted to show, I just wanted to share one one piece and hopefully you'll understand why. It's in, it's, this is an excerpt from, he wrote, he wrote 50 years in chains. He was, He had been enslaved for 50 years. And he had an opportunity to share his story. This is what he writes. He says, my mother was a slave of a tobacco planter. She died when I was about four years old. He said, "But my mother had several children, and we were all sold. Or, 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 or the 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 master had died. but He says, and we were all sold upon the master's death to separate purchasers. In other words, in other words, he was brought up in slavery, and when the master died, his family was sold. And he says." He says, my mother was sold, my father told me, to a Georgia trader. I, of all of her children, was the only one left in Maryland. When sold, at the time, I was naked, never having had on clothes a day in my life. But my new master gave me a child's frock that belonged to one of his own children. After he had purchased me, he dressed me in this garment, took me before him on his horse, and started home. But my poor mother, when she saw me leaving her for the last time, ran after me, took me down from the horse, clasped me in her arms, and wept loudly and bitterly over me. My master, The new one seemed to have pity on her, and he endeavored to soothe her distress by telling her that he would be a good master to me and that I should not want for anything in his care. She then, still holding me in her arms, walked along the road beside the horse, as the master drove slowly and she earnestly begged and implored and besought my master to buy her and the rest of her children and not permit them to be carried away by the Negro buyers. But in the midst of entreating him to save her and her family, The slave driver who had first bought her came running in pursuit of her with a rawhide in his hand. When he when he overtook us, he told her that he was her master now. And he ordered her to give that that little Negro to his owner and come back with them. My mother then turned to him, and she cried. She said, oh, master, do not, do not take me from my child. And without making a reply, he gave her two or three heavy blows on the shoulders with his rawhide. He snatched me from her arms and handed me to my master. And then seizing her by one arm, he dragged her backwards toward the place of sale. My master then quickened the pace of his horse. And as we advanced, the cries of my poor parent became more and more indistinct. After a while, they died away. They died away in the distance, and I never again heard the voice of my mother. That was a slave. Those are are real words from a real experience. You know what bothers me is that he had the He had the luxury to explain to someone who cared about what happened. He had the opportunity to give voice to his experience. But do you not know that there were literally millions who didn't? Millions! of people who experienced in these hills of North America the tragedy of slavery. I'm sure, can we be real? I'm sure that that boy cried and he fussed and he longed for his mother, never to hear her voice again. Four years old, and he remembered what happened to his mother. I'm sure that after a while, on Sundays, the master. Made sure that those slaves preached from the Bible about the loving care of Jesus Christ. I'm sure that the master made sure that those slaves were taught how to pray. Some would argue that when they got off the boat in the first place, when they greeted one another, they greeted one another in a language that was sort of foreign to where they were now. And when they greeted one another, they probably said, As-salamu alaykum. When they came, some had a different religion than the slave master. And they were taught Christianity. Now you have a slave. Who prays. To a God. While having. While having sores and whips and rips on his own back. And he prays. To the God that his slave master told him to pray to. What he prayed for, he prayed for freedom. He prayed to be to be let go from this experience. I'm sure. He wanted to get away. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he, and he remained a slave. I also believe that the same slave master, I believe he prayed. The slave prayed to be made free. The master prayed to continue his prosperity. They both prayed to the same God. They both had vastly different experiences. This is uncomfortable for me. And in... In their praying, in their praying, one, one walked away heartbroken and the other walked away rejoicing, but they, they prayed to the same, yes, sir. to the same God this this borrowed religion now that has been forced on these slaves and they're supposed to be cool with it can we can, can can we talk man how do you how do you reconcile that now you have, you have young people now who can recount these stories. And they say, preacher, how do you expect me to embrace the stuff that you are pushing when, when the experience that your ancestors had is the same one that matches? And now we are supposed to believe I, had, I had, a, had a preacher a long time ago. He shared with me, he said, man, you have to remember who you have in your audience. And it hit me so, so profound. Because there are folk, you can't deny that. You can't, you can't deny that. Slavery happened, prayed to the same God. Matter of fact, matter of fact, there were some who taught that God had ordained slavery and sanctioned slavery. They were shown in scriptures where it talks about how uh, 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 how slaves ought to obey their masters. That's in the book. That's in the book. So what so 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 what do you, what do you do with that? Please remember this. Just because some folk manipulated just because some folk manipulated the word does not mean that God was with it. As I hasten on to the next example, I want to say this understand that Christianity was around before Islam. <laughs> oh gosh. So Jesus Jesus, outdated Muhammad. Even Muslims nowadays, you have basically you have four branches of Islam. You have Sufi, Sunni, Shiite, And then and then because that religion was so divided, what happened was you had black folk who wanted to be part of the orthodoxy of Islam. But because they were not allowed to be, what happened is that you had a man named Elijah Poole and he started, if you will, uh, uh, another religion or or another branch of Islam called and we call it nowadays FOI or you know the nation of Islam and you have that but in this audience I also believe that there is someone someone in here who has someone who's been raped someone who was violated By someone that they care about. And I don't believe that it was just. It's just females. But I believe that there are males. In here who. Who understand that same. Violation. And if you think you squirming in your seats. And for them, it's hard to believe because you expect me to be able to to give myself and pray to a father when it was a father. You're not uncomfortable enough yet? We have young people who are in the audience now, where prayer has been taken out of school. And now what they see is they see they see Johnny come into class. but Johnny's acting like Susie. But you better not say nothing to Johnny. Cause if you say something to Johnny, what's crazy, what's crazy is that, is that yes, you're supposed to be able to embrace this thing of Christianity. But they're being made ashamed to stand up for it. And yet, and yet, yet we are to we are to embrace this thing of Christianity. Whew. I got most of that stuff off my chest. Paul writes and he says, for I am not ashamed. Oh my gosh. Of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to every everyone that believeth. If you believe, that's the power. If you believe, then it works. But you must believe. But it's hard to believe in some circumstances. It's hard to believe when when you sit down and you make comparisons and when you understand what it is that we're going through. It's hard. It's hard to believe when when you see stuff that contradicts and it doesn't make sense. It's hard to believe. You got people who say that uh, that we uh, that we ought to believe. But at the same time, these were the same folk who were throwing ropes. Around folks next. And they say. Believe in. What I teach. You have. You have a society in which. In which legalized murder. Is sanctioned. And then. And then you Christians are taught to turn the other cheek. And that stuff is quoted. You walk in somebody's place of, of abode. You snuff out their life. Say I was scared. And then it's okay. Because because. The reaction has to be now that you need to learn to turn the other cheek. Taken not just out, but way out of context. I don't know how I got here, but since I'm here, I may as well say it. When the the master was teaching about turn the other cheek, the principle there is, is for you not to be... Not to be taken advantage of. In other words, in other words, it's the same thing that I, that, that I try to teach my kids. Don't you go out and start nothing. You'll be starting nothing with folk. Leave folk alone. If a, if a situation arises, you better walk your little narrow tail away. If you can get away, get away. Don't you start nothing. Don't start it. Don't, 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 don't you start it. Praise God. God is still working on me. Don't start it. Turn the other, get away from it. That's the principle. Get away. You <laughs> better learn how to defend yourself as well. <laughs> Don't look at me crazy. Some of y'all in here got heat now. Amen. <laughs> hey, got some stuff sitting at the house. I wish I, I, I wish I could just be messy real quick and ask everybody who who has a LTC to, to to just to just hold it up. And if you know what I'm talking about, shame on you. <laughs> but this, we are told, we are told to share the gospel amongst these circumstances. I got one point to this whole message, and then it's yours. <laughs> The gospel is laid out in First Corinthians fifteen. It talks about how, how Christ died and that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. That's what the book says, right? Those are the facts of the gospel. The gospel, the gospel, the evangelio, the the good news, the gospel. It's the facts, but those are the facts of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Can I be messy for just a moment? I'm asking, but you know he, I'm going to do it anyways, praise God. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, those are the facts of the gospel, but those facts do not Automatically make it good news. What difference does it make? What what does it mean? The facts are there. He died, was buried, and rose again. The third day, according to the scriptures. But what makes that good news? When, when, Paul, when Paul wrote and he says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, do you not know that he was already writing to some folk that had already obeyed the gospel? When he wrote, when he wrote that, he was writing to people that had already heard the word. That had already believed and had already repented, had already confessed, and had already been baptized and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They had already done it. So why would he, say, what would he tell these folk who had already been saved that I'm sharing with you the gospel? convinced that the reason why is because he understood that the gospel wasn't just the death the burial and the resurrection because that is not what makes the gospel good news I ought to just quit and just run out <laughs> what makes what makes the gospel of jesus good news is what it means It's what it means, baby. What the gospel means and what it avails to us now is this. At one point, if you read in Ephesians chapter 2, we were foreigners. (laughs) At one point, we we were illegal. At one point, we were those that did not matter. And and because man was in such a a bad state when it comes down to his relationship with God, what the gospel does is for one, it allows us to now be saved. But more importantly, the beauty of the gospel is that now I, you and I can have a relationship with God and we don't have to earn it. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the meaning of the gospel. You have stuff that happens that ought not happen all over. And what God, what God is saying is that that I'll save anybody who believes because in spite of how you may feel, it's not about what you experience down here per se. Because guess what? (laughs) It is almost unfair. But that slave master, Jesus died for him. That slave, Jesus died for him. That girl that had been raped, Jesus died for her. The boy who had been who had been touched. Christ died for him. And the one who did it. Christ died for them too. To every one that believeth it's almost unfair it's almost unfair Lord why would you why would you save someone who has who has ruined my life God (laughs) will not allow anyone To ruin your life but you. Someone else can mess some stuff up. But God does not give someone else the power to ruin it. If it's going to be ruined or runt, root, whatever. (laughs) It's because you did it. But he won't give that power to anyone else. now, I humbly, boldly, and honestly stand before you right now to say that if you have not obeyed the gospel of Christ, you are living beneath your privilege. Christianity is not easy. Can I tell you that? It's not easy. It's not fun. Not all the time. Praise God. It's not it's not that that since you have obeyed the gospel, that now all sin is now away from you. And you ain't got to worry about no problems and this, that and the other. I'll be the first one to tell you that once you become a child of God, it seems like you get more problems. This Christian walk is not easy. It's not I wish I had some honest folk that could that that, that would testify. I get man, you get, get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Get tired of running out of money before you run out of month. But at the end of the day, God says, I want a relationship with you. God says that that the stuff that you're going through now, let's say that you live to be 200 years old. Compare if you did live that long. I've guaranteed or, 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 or I've given you on average 70. But I tell you what, if you live to be 200, what will that 200 be in comparison to the backdrop of eternity? And when... We've been with him 10,000 years. I'll have no less to live. 10,000 compared to 200, compared to eternity. Jesus makes the difference. And because he makes the difference, I'm reminding you that he put his life on the line for you. He made it so that everyone, I hope you see it differently now, everyone that believeth. And guess what? Everybody's not going to believe this. Everybody's not going to have the same level of understanding even in their belief. Everyone will not reach the same, the same plateau. Because God knows how much you understand. And I'm thankful that we will stand before a just God at judgment. And because God is going to be just at judgment, he's going to judge you where you are. That's a whole, that's a, that's a deeper theological ocean. But at the end of the day, God says, come here. He says, I want you. I want you in my family. I want you to be a part of me. I don't understand it. I'm just thankful for it. Because truth be told, I've done some stuff that I, that I know I can't tell y'all. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> y'all talk too much anyways. Amen. Matter of fact, you better be careful what you tell me. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he says, I want you to be part of my family. Christ He died, according to the scriptures. He was buried, according to the scripture. And he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. And he did it. He did it so that you and I could have relationship with God without having to earn it. He says, you can be right with God without having to jump through hoops. It's crazy when you think about it. Is it free? It's free. It costs Jesus, but it's free to us. And now, if you need to obey the gospel, this is your opportunity. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection, but at the end of the day, how do you respond to that death, burial, and resurrection? What do you do about that death, burial, and resurrection? You can complain about what you don't have and how this, that, and the other didn't go your way, but I tell you what, if you're going to complain at least complain in the right position. (laughs) Praise God. If you're going to complain, be in Christ and complain. Amen. Amen. That's all I have for you. If you need to be saved, this is your, this is your opportunity. If you, if you also just need to respond and say, Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Maybe, maybe you have a better understanding or a deeper understanding. Let that be the case. And if you need to respond, this is your opportunity as well to come down right now, confessing Christ, confessing God, giving your life to him, confessing, Lord, I need you. I may may not fully understand everything about you, but, Lord, I need you, and I love you. Lord, will you take me? Yes, together we stand.